Thanks very much, John. Uh, and if you've got a Bible in front of you, it'd be worth keeping it open as we look through uh, that passage uh, together. Uh, in so many areas of life, it, it's, it's hard to know uh, what's best, isn't it? Uh, the terms choice overload or, or overchoice uh, have been coined uh, to describe that situation we perhaps often find ourselves in, uh, where we have so many options uh, that actually we're, we're unable uh, to make any decisions. If you want to experience that firsthand, uh, was, you can go onto Amazon. I was recently uh, searching for children's swimming goggles, and suddenly you are confronted uh, with hundreds of different options and, and thousands of different reviews. Uh, and it's actually been kind of been found, been proven that that can actually stop people uh, making any uh, decisions, making any choices uh, whatsoever. Uh, really, what we, what we need, what I would love, uh, is just an expert uh, to tell me uh, what is best. You know, get these goggles, uh, get that Hoover, uh, get that car, you know, whatever it might be. Someone who knows what they're talking about. Uh, well, unfortunately, in this passage in, in Philippians, Paul's not going to help us with our, our shopping decisions, I'm afraid. Uh, but he is going to help us uh, with something that is much more significant than that. Because in the same way... Uh, our world offers us lots of choices uh, in how to live, doesn't it? Uh, lots of paths uh, to follow. Lots of things we're told are, are important, are, are vital. Even uh, the things that we're told, this is what you need to be doing. Uh, so what is, is the right thing to, to commit to? We're back again to, to that question, aren't we? What is best? Uh, with so many options, uh, that can be a hard question uh, to answer. And actually for the Philippian church, and for us as well, uh, as well as these various different choices that they're being subjected to, uh, there's also opposition uh, that's attached to certain options. Uh, Paul himself and, and the Philippian church, uh, we've seen as we've been working our way through this letter, we're going through suffering because of their decision to follow Jesus. <clears throat> uh, if too many options... Uh, can make us perhaps passive uh, and choose nothing at all, well, then opposition, once we've made a decision, uh, can easily make us give up on that option uh, and turn back. And so Paul writes to fill that need we have of someone, uh, an expert, uh, to give us confidence, uh, telling us clearly what is best, what is uh, the best path. Someone to give us real certainty uh, in those big questions in life. What are we putting our hope in? Uh, what are we spending our life for? What are we striving after? Uh, to help us know what is best uh, so we can choose the best thing. And so even uh, and when that, that choice gets hard, uh, when there is kind of pushback or, or opposition there, that we can keep on going with confidence. Uh, and again, not just confidence, uh, but also joy. That idea of joy and rejoicing uh, has been a big theme throughout this letter. And that's how Paul begins uh, chapter 3 as well, isn't it? Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Paul is going to lay out how, how Jesus and following him uh, is the best option by far. That Jesus far surpasses anything else. Uh, that our world has to offer. Uh, and so we can choose Jesus, rejoice in Jesus, stick with Jesus, even when things get tough, uh, knowing that ultimately Jesus is best. And Paul is going to show that Jesus is best in, in two different areas uh, that we'll look at together. And the first one is this, that trusting in Jesus uh, is better than salvation by works. Uh, trusting in Jesus is better than salvation by works. What do we mean by salvation by works? That's a kind of a theological term, a, a technical term in some ways. 
which basically means any way that we think we can be saved, that we think we can come to have a relationship with God, that's kind of biblically speaking what being saved is, any way that means we think we can do that by our own efforts, by our own works, by what we do. And so in verse 2, Paul starts with this really strong warning, doesn't he? Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Uh, Who is Paul kind of sticking it to here? Why does he use such strong language? Uh, Well, he's speaking about those. He's speaking about a group of people who were trying to call the Philippians back from trusting in Jesus, back to this salvation by works, Uh, back to instead trusting in their own efforts, Uh, or trusting in the kind of external signs of of religiosity uh, that they carried out. One particular uh, example of those signs would be the sign of circumcision for the men. Uh, The idea that it was this external sign, which was something that would make you one of God's people. Uh, And so you see then Paul contrast what these people were teaching uh, with what the church uh, holds out in in verse 3, what the church needs to hold on to. He says, for we are the the circumcision, meaning, you know, we are actually God's people uh, who worship by the Spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Uh, Paul is is laying out the the two options here. He says, either you can trust in, as it says here, the the flesh, Uh, you can trust in your own works, in our our own efforts, really a sort of uh, a tick box kind of religion which says if you do this and this and this and and if that outweighs that, well then you can kind of climb your way up to God. Uh, You can earn that salvation. You do all these things and and God will owe you. Uh, That's sort of salvation by works. I think for us as as humans, for so many people, uh, that is our, our default kind of setting. If there is a God out there, uh, then there must surely be a lot of stuff that we need to do to make him pleased with us. Uh, that's the, the basis of, of a lot of religions. Uh, all the, alter- the alternative is, as Paul says, those who put no confidence in the flesh. Uh, those who do not trust in their own efforts, but instead, Paul says, worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, i.e. they trust in Jesus alone to rescue them. Paul says those are the only two options, either our salvation or our hope in being reconciled to God. Either it is down to us, uh, down to the flesh, down to what we do, uh, or it is down to God. It is down to what he has done through Jesus. Uh, And Paul is stressing, as we've said, that trusting in Jesus uh, is better than salvation by works. It's better than trusting in ourselves. Uh, How can Paul say that? Well, he kind of backs up what he's saying there in verses 4 and 5 and 6, where he shows that actually uh, he's not just making this stuff up. He is an an expert in the field, as it were. Uh, Paul isn't just kind of throwing stones from the outside. No, this salvation by works, this confidence in the flesh, uh, is very much that the world that Paul had been part of, a a leading part of. Uh, Have a look at what he says in those verses. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Uh, Paul is saying if salvation by works worked, uh, if we really could have that confidence in the flesh, if you really could save yourself, well, well, I have tried every option. 
Uh, not just that, I, I've excelled at every option. Here is this kind of list of credentials. Here is my salvation by work CV, Paul says, and it is, it's very impressive. And now unlike some of the things Paul lays out here, what he, what he says, what he writes in those verses, they might seem uh, a little bit distant to us. Uh, we're, we're unlikely to either trust in what tribe we're descended from or, or some of the more uh, Jewish criteria that Paul lists there. But actually the, the concept uh, is completely current and completely relevant. Now we can get to the heart of it for ourselves when we ask the question, uh, what are the things... Uh, that I think will gain me favor with God? Is it that I, I ticked kind of Christian on the, the latest government census? Uh, is it that I'm here at church more Sundays uh, than I miss? Is it perhaps even that I've been baptized uh, at some point in my life? Uh, or is it that I'm just generally a good person? I, I care about others. I'm involved in you know, working for justice. I help with charity stuff. Uh, maybe it's relative to, you know, to a lot of people. We look out and we see what other people are doing. We look at the world around us and we think, surely uh, I must figure quite highly on a kind of moral league table. There's nothing scandalous that I do that would make the, the, the news. Uh, maybe even I'm, I'm quite proactive on, on social media, posting about Christian causes, defending Christian values, making a stand in these kind of areas. Whatever it might be that makes us think, surely these things are lifting us up a few rungs on the ladder toward God. Our, our list will be different from Paul, uh, but the principle uh, is the same. Whatever things, which absolutely are, are not wrong things, uh, often might be very good things, very, very helpful things, uh, but if they start to be what our, our trust is found in, you know, God must love me because I've done these things, if they start to be the grounds of our salvation, uh, salvation by works, our works, well, then it's about these things that Paul writes in, in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, this incredible CV that looks so impressive, uh, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All these things I thought I had going for me, now, all these things uh, I put my confidence in are, absolute, apt, are actually nothing compared to Jesus. Paul says it is Christ alone that I need uh, to trust in him, not these things I did by my own efforts. Uh, salvation, uh, so trusting in Jesus is better than salvation by works. And, and then Paul goes on to say, well, why is that? And he gives us the answer to that down in, in verse 9, where, where Paul says he wants to be found in him, that is, in Christ, uh, not having a, a righteousness of, of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, he says. Uh, that, that concept of righteousness that you hear repeated uh, in that verse there is really key here. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, well, well, really, righteousness be means being right with God. It's actually a kind of a, a legal term. The picture is almost God uh, as the judge uh, looking over us as, as we stand in the dock uh, and saying, not guilty. Uh, that's what it means to be righteous. And one of the huge questions, really, that, that life asks and, and that the Bible answers is, is how can God say that about us? Uh, when actually we know how, how flawed we are as people. You know, how if God is, is holy and his standard is perfection, which it is, uh, how can people like us, uh, with our sins, some of the things that people might know about us, 
Also, some of the things that people might not know, that the dark parts of our life that we try and hide, how could we ever have that, that verdict of being righteous declared over us? And Paul says that the answer is we can only find that in Jesus. That righteousness from God that depends on faith, where we trust in Jesus and not ourselves. We trust that Jesus on the cross paid the penalty for our sins. Now, where we don't have confidence in ourselves, in the flesh, as Paul says, it's not that we've kind of done our bit, we've been pretty good, we've kind of climbed up this far, and, and God has come down to meet us in the middle. I know that the message of, of the gospel of Christianity is that that righteousness, uh, that salvation, that restored relationship with God is only through faith in Jesus. Only through what he's done, confessing our sins, our weakness, uh, confessing that we need him. Uh, and trusting what he has done for us, accepting uh, that righteousness as a gift from God, as it says here. Uh, trusting in Jesus is better than salvation by works. Why? Uh, because it's only Jesus that can provide us with the righteousness that we so desperately need. It's not that there are kind of two ways to salvation, two ways to being made right with God, the, the faith in Jesus way and then the human uh, works and effort way. It's just the Jesus way is a bit better. No, the, the Jesus way is the only way that works. God is so big, uh, so perfect, so holy. Uh, we are so prone to wandering, as we sang earlier, so often weak, uh, so flawed, uh, that we could never climb our way up. Uh, Jesus is better because the alternative simply doesn't work. And, and even if it could, even if we thought it were possible to, to earn our way to God, um, all that provides us with is a life of, of anxiety uh, and worry and exhaustion. Because how could we actually know if we're, we're ever good enough? Uh, how, how could we know if we've done enough? How could we know what God's judgment about us will be? Uh, but through faith in Jesus, we can have that certainty that comes from knowing it is a righteousness from God. Our righteousness is based on his work, and because it's what he has done, uh, we can be confident that if we trust in him, we, we will never lose it. And so again, how do we rejoice in the Lord, as, as Paul began uh, in verse 1? How do we keep going with him, even in the face of opposition? We, we first need to know, uh, and we first need to remember throughout our, our Christian lives, this is something we, we can never take for granted, something we keep on coming back to knowing that faith in Jesus is better than salvation in work, by works uh, because Jesus alone offers us the righteousness that comes from God. So there we go. There's the first area where, where Paul uh, makes his point that Jesus uh, is better than any alternative, any other way uh, of living, that, that Jesus is the, 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 the very best and the one to choose. Really, that's verses 1 uh, through to 7. And then verse 8, Paul takes that central truth uh, that Jesus is best, and he then kind of expands it massively. Uh, let me read uh, again verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And what else does Jesus? Sorry, does Paul say uh, Jesus is better than? Well, he says, I count everything as loss. And Paul says it's not only that trusting in Jesus is better than salvation by works. It's not just in that area of, you know, where do we find our righteousness? It's also that knowing Jesus is better than everything else. 
And so that's what we see in this, this second section, really focusing on that, that verse there, verse 8, uh, that knowing Jesus is better than everything else. And, and again, it's, it's good to remember here uh, that when Paul is speaking to us, uh, he is speaking with, with genuine kind of authority and experience. If Paul was like a, an Amazon uh, reviewer, he'd have that verified tag uh, just after his name. You know, Paul, uh, has, just as he had reason uh, to put confidence in the flesh, that, that self-salvation, that kind of CV, he lists and rejects. Uh, well, well, so also Paul was very much a, a man who had experienced the, the finer things in life, we could say. Uh, we know from elsewhere that Paul was a Roman citizen. Uh, Paul was from a, a privileged background. Paul was very well educated. He was climbing his career ladder faster than his contemporaries. Uh, so again, this is not someone who, who didn't have anything saying, well, that's fine, I, I didn't want it anyway. Uh, no, here is, is Paul, uh, someone who has had it all, uh, saying, actually, I, I count that as loss, uh, as nothing, as rubbish, uh, in order that I may know Christ in order that he might, as Paul says, gain Christ. Again, we live in a world constantly telling us uh, what the most important thing is, that actually our, our career uh, is what defines us, or that it's family or, or relationships, or that it's our, our children being uh, happy and successful and having every opportunity, that that should be our, our priority. Uh, or even just the need to have fun, to, to have experiences, to, to enjoy yourself. And all of us, I'm sure, in this room, we could add more examples to that. Uh, things that either overtly or just subtly, the world is telling us constantly, this is what's best. This is what's most important. This is what you need to be committing to and striving after. Uh, and all of these examples, all of these things that we could think of, all of these things uh, that we do often look to kind of chase after, uh, they would all fit under this kind of umbrella of everything uh, that Paul speaks about here. Uh, everything, he says, that, that the world sees as gain, as value, as meaning. Paul says he is willing to get rid of all of that uh, to know Christ. Uh, because knowing Jesus is better than everything else. Okay, so here's, I suppose, the, the challenge for us then. Uh, what does it look like uh, for us uh, to count these things as loss, as Paul says. What does it really mean? I think two important things that we see here uh, in verse 8. First, the start of the verse, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Paul says. That because of there, it could also be translated uh, in light of or compared to. Uh, and there is a sense in, in this verse in which we are not being told uh, that all of these things are wrong. Absolutely not. We're not being told that we have to get rid of everything. We're being told that all of these things, everything, has to take their place under knowing Christ. That he is the priority. Uh, that Jesus is the thing of surpassing worth. We, we sang a new song the last couple of weeks um, based on that well-known kind of old chorus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's part of the idea here. Uh, and that is completely true, that whatever we do, it's done in light of Jesus, that he is of surpassing greatness, uh, that, that whatever we do, that, that Jesus has the priority. And that, that's part of what this verse is saying. And yet I do think there's a danger uh, that we hear that 
and we think, oh, well, that's great because I can just carry on basically doing everything that I currently do. Uh, I can live my life that, that looks very similar uh, to the way everyone else around the world is living. Uh, and all I really need to do is just say, actually, no, but Jesus is at the top of that. And actually, we, we do genuinely believe that, that knowing Jesus is the most important thing. Um, but actually, if we're not careful, that doesn't end up meaning we have to actually change anything. Uh, we can actually remain very comfortable. Uh, we can actually not need to lose anything at all. Uh, we actually very much end up carrying on uh, in the same way as we are, looking very similar to those around us. Well, well with that in mind, with that danger in mind, uh, let's have a look at the second part of this verse. Because here Paul writes, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish uh, in order that I may gain Christ. Paul kind of ramps things up a little bit in the second half of this verse. He, he's saying there that there are things in his life uh, that he's had to get rid of. Uh, that it is not simply a, a change in priorities. Uh, it is actually suffering the loss of these things in order to gain Christ. Now, that doesn't mean, Paul isn't saying, you know, if we give up these things, we, we earn a relationship with God. That's absolutely not that. We, we, we've spoken about that. Um, but I think, for, for me, this is a real challenge. It does mean we, we can't just listen to this passage and think we can have uh, and do everything that the world around us does uh, and yet just kind of squeeze God in at the top uh, as a banner over those things. Uh, I think this passage means that there will be things in our world uh, things in our lives which actually get in the way of us knowing Christ. Uh, Paul says he had to lose these things in order to gain Christ. And there will be things that get in the way and actually that those things have to go. How do we, how do we know that we actually mean it uh, when we say that Jesus is our priority? How do we demonstrate that? Well, it's that when those things start getting in the way of us knowing Jesus, when those things start, start drawing, drawing us away, uh, when those things start, start limiting our, our commitment and love for him, uh, that we're willing, and in fact, we are determined to get rid of them rather than risk losing Christ. We are, we are we're determined to suffer the loss of them, as Paul writes here. And maybe a couple of kind of specific examples can help. These uh, absolutely won't fit everyone here, um, but I think they help us to think, you know, what does this look like for us? Uh, one guy at a previous church that I was at, uh, he very deliberately stopped at a certain level uh, in his firm. He was kind of successful at his job, uh, but despite encouragements and, and offers of promotion to go higher, uh, he remained where he was uh, because he knew that, that at that level, uh, he was able to focus more time on, on serving his church and being involved there, and that that would be compromised if he carried on climbing that ladder. And, and that's not to say that's for everyone, but for him, it was that promotion, uh, that thing that everyone is telling you to chase after, uh, the thing the world is seeking, that was the thing that had to go uh, because knowing Christ is better. Uh, perhaps for us, it's more mundane things. Maybe it is uh, that series on iPlayer, and maybe it's that amount of time on social media, maybe it's that many uh, sports matches uh, that, that, I, that you like to watch, uh, perhaps for me, uh, perhaps for you, uh, those are the things uh, that have to go so that actually we can create meaningful time, whether that's for ourselves as individuals, whether that's as, as couples, whether that's as a, as a family, uh, to grow closer to Jesus. Uh, that actually we might need to kick stuff out of the way in order that we can spend time in, in prayer 
uh, in the Bible and encouraging one another, that, whether that's within our family or, or within the church family, uh, growing to know Jesus more uh, and yet being willing to do that because knowing Christ is better. Uh, and of course, I can't kind of stand here and prescribe uh, what these different things are uh, for everyone. But, uh, but I do think it's a telling question for us to think about. Bearing in mind that knowing Jesus is better than everything else, uh, how do I make sure that my priorities really do line up under that? Uh, but also, what things might I, what things might we as a family need to suffer the loss of in order to best know Christ, if we really do think that that is what is best. And again, Paul then moves on to kind of answer that question. Why would we want that? Why is it uh, that knowing Jesus is better uh, than everything else? Because let's face it, unless we are convinced of that, uh, we're not going to bother getting rid of anything, are we? Uh, why is it that Paul is able to say knowing Jesus is better than anything else? Why should we believe him? Well, we find the answer down uh, in verses 10 and 11 where, where Paul writes this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And you get here again that, that repeated emphasis, this time uh, on that term resurrection, uh, knowing the power of his resurrection and attaining that resurrection. Uh, why is it that, that Jesus is better than everything else? Uh, because ultimately, it's only Jesus that can bring that resurrection. It is only through gaining Christ. It is only through knowing him, being found in him, uh, that we can share with him in that resurrection. Uh, I don't know how kind of resurrection as, as an incentive, I suppose, how that uh, hits home for you. I don't know if that's something you ever uh, even think about. I think the church... Uh, like so many things, can kind of pendulum from one extreme to the other. I think in the past, uh, so much of the, the Christian message was focused on that question, what will happen to you when you die? Uh, and it's really good, I think, to remember that actually the gospel is, is bigger and better than that, that actually it really makes a difference uh, in the here and now. It offers hope, it offers joy, it offers purpose. So many of the things that we've seen uh, and spoken about in this letter to the Philippians... Uh, but it's important we don't kind of pendulum swing too far in that direction and forget about uh, these questions of eternity because they are fundamental. Uh, and Paul throughout this letter has had that kind of forward-looking focus, looking forward to the day of Christ, uh, teaching the church what he thinks about his own death and the significance of that, focusing here on, on Jesus and the resurrection and our need of that. Uh, the, the question of what happens uh, when we die is, is a question our, our world prefers not to ask, ultimately uh, because it's a question where the kind of the everythings of the world, the, the things that we're told to strive after actually can't hold out any hope. Uh, they don't have a solution. Uh, that actually on, on that, that final day, uh, that none of those things, it's a, a sobering thought to think that none of those things we poured so much of our, our lives into uh, will make a difference except for Jesus. And so knowing Jesus is better than everything else. Jesus is worth giving everything for because ultimately he and only he can provide that answer, that resurrection is possible only through Jesus. And we know it's possible because Jesus has been there. Jesus has demonstrated it himself first. 
uh, that he suffered in our place on the cross, and three days later, he, he rose again. That is what means we can be certain of this promise. Resurrection not to more of the same, uh, but resurrection to a perfect eternity with God. Resurrection following Jesus uh, to where Jesus is now. Uh, our, our culture is so sort of in the moment, isn't it, rather than future-focused. Even our, our entertainment now is delivered in kind of 30-second shorts or, or highlights or reels or whatever it might be. Uh, and so perhaps previous generations have been able to see more uh, the importance of the big picture uh, than we have. Uh, and the missionary, Jim Elliott, has a, a famous quote that sums this up so well. It's, I'm sure we've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating Uh, He famously said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Uh, And Jim Elliot actually did lose his life uh, taking the gospel to to new tribes uh, who didn't at that time know Jesus. Now, doesn't that fit uh, with what Paul is saying here about his knowing Jesus? Uh, Really what we should expect uh, in knowing Jesus, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And knowing Jesus, having faith in him, being in Christ, as, as Paul often says, that, that often requires suffering, and putting up with, with pressure from the outside, that involves being distinct from the world we live in. Uh, it often requires, as we've been saying, the suffering of loss, of putting aside, of counting as rubbish so much of what the world says is important. It often includes, as we've seen in previous weeks, uh, sacrificially serving, uh, thinking of others as more significant than ourselves. And yet Paul says the key to rejoicing, uh, the key to keeping on going is to share in that suffering with Christ because knowing Jesus is better than everything else. Trusting Jesus is better than salvation in works uh, because it's only Jesus that can give us that that righteousness, that right standing uh, with a holy God that that all of us need. Uh, And knowing Jesus is better than everything else because it's only in Jesus that we can have that that promised resurrection and that we can have an eternal hope. Jesus is what's best and it's having confidence in that uh, that helps us live for him in, in every area of life to have him as our priority and to keep on going, uh, even when that's hard. And so without all that uh, in mind, uh, let's, let's pray together that, that God would help us grasp that more and more, just the incredibleness uh, of Jesus uh, as Paul has been laying out for us in this passage. Let's, let's pray together.